Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We're so glad you're here with us in this summer, this hot, hot, shot girl summer. That's still very funny to me, by the way. <laughs> what is shot that? Girl shot summer. girl summer? Yeah, go get your vax. That's what it's about. But I respect your decision, people. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, I respect your decision. But I just like the idea that we've turned. I saw, I, I've seen a lot of them. They're funny. Speaking of. Um, I literally have never heard of shot girl summer. Well, oh who my am gosh. I following on Instagram? That right? Wait, problem. but what does it even mean? <laughs> like shots, like shots of what? What's it talking about? Shot of your vaccine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh wait. I feel like we did talk about this on another episode already. I'm we so did. sorry. It's oh, okay. God. My brain. Be offense. You have, a, you, have a, you have an under one. You get a free pass I do. on literally I everything. I have a teething baby, everybody. You it's, te- it's, oh, yeah. Not just yeah. under one. Teething. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry, guys. I'm late on the vaccine shot girl summer, but I like it, <laughs> Tiffany. Keep going. <laughs> um, oh, oh, two things on the uh, silly shot girl summer, but also teething. Y'all, my six-year-old is about to lose a front tooth, and I'm not ready because he's a newborn infant, oh, and I gosh. can't deal with the fact. He's a newborn infant. <laughs> <laughs> he's a newborn. The other day, I said, hey, buddy, um, that response, did you feel like that was a six-year-old response? He's like, I'm a baby. How dare you? <laughs> How so clearly, freaking cute. Clearly, he has he knows his place in the family. Oh, my gosh. And he's going to milk it. He's going to milk that cow. Mm, also, yeah. my son is currently missing five teeth and has two grown-up teeth already in. So, But he's missing five? Uh-huh. And he's six. Five of his how teeth. Is he, have, how is he he's chewing? Basically, okay, that's right. He looks like we need to give him dentures. He's the cutest. <laughs> and also, he's taking all our money from the tooth fairy, who he knows is us. Oh. Because that's He knows it's roll. you? Yeah, yeah. We we told him. He's like, is the tooth fairy real? They were super creeped out by someone random, like some weird fairy coming into their room. And I'm like, I, my job here is done. I'm an excellent parent. That <laughs> 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 they're creeped out by this. My so kids are I'm convinced the tooth fairy is a family friend. And I'm like, you think oh. the woman climbs through your window? They think they're just convinced. And I'm like, well, then she can pay the bill if that's what you think the tooth okay. fairy is. Okay, seriously. Also, does the tooth fairy pay in dollars or quarters at your house? Just one dollar. Excuse me? Yeah, one What happened to a dime? What happened to a quarter? <laughs> I mean, I grew up getting like 50 cents, so I figure a dollar's good. Inflation. You know, for, 40 years later, a dollar's pretty good. <laughs> That's not so bad. Uh, (laughs) Listeners, I have something to tell you all that you are going to just laugh so hard. So my son, my oldest is 10, and he is reading Bridge to Terabithia. Nice. And it's set in the South. Well, we're convinced it is because of the the syntax and the grammar. Mm -hmm. And he looks up at me last night, and he said, did Andy Ashley write this book? I said, what made you you think that? And he's like... They said, "Pay me no mind," and they said, "Lord," and then they would, and then they'd say whatever they, "Lord, that 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 girl needs to calm down." Oh, Lord, that, and he was convinced, <laughs> Ashley, that you wrote the Newberry Award-winning classic, "Bridge to Terabithia." Oh my gosh! If only <laughs> I was gifted enough to write that because it is one of my favorite books, and I think when I was a kid, I read it a good twenty-five times. I oh. loved it. It's such a good one. I'm proud That's of Coco. Good. It's good stuff. But he, I had, to, I was like, no. He's like. 
well, is this where she got all of her sayings? Like, cause she's, I hear her say, pay me no, don't pay me no money. He's like, all of his understanding of Southern grammar is from and me. syntax is you, is only Oh you. gosh. I'm sorry. Then the Southerners are probably very ashamed. I'm going to have to find him a few more better examples. <laughs> I, I think you, I think you're doing just fine. I think you're doing just fine. But mm-hmm. I had to, I had to tell you that because that was our uh, conversation last night. So I was talking to bed. so was, cute. I had to convince him despite the name of the author on the front of the book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love anyway, it. anyway, people, we have been in the middle of our series, How'd She Do That? You have heard from theologians, actresses, um, activists, thought mm-hmm. leaders, and just hasn't it been amazing? Amazing. Mm-hmm. It really has. I feel like I've been so enriched by some of these conversations. I was posting on the gram yesterday because I'm like, I'm so proud of these you know, this string of people that we've had, and we have a few more coming up, but I've really enjoyed it. I have to say Tabitha Thomas was a crowd fave. I mean, I just, I love hearing name? her story. Oh, yep. Tabitha Brown. <laughs> yep. There it is. Tabitha is Brown. Um, I loved, loved it. It was such a good episode and filled me with so much hope. And, you know, it makes me think of God's faithfulness. That's yes. what I appreciated most about that conversation is like, it's not over till it's over. And God is always on your side. And he is literally always working on your behalf. And I felt that so clearly with Tabitha Brown's story. It was powerful. Yeah. And not without heartache, not Correct. without loss, not without Sickness. hard work. I right. mean, I don't want to paint this as a meritocracy, but, I, but her honesty and vulnerability of how hard things were. But yep. I mean, when we think of who she is today, I'll, I'll tell you something fun. So she was on, guess what? You know it, Kirk Franklin's podcast recently. And so yeah. I went and listened to that. And it was just beautiful to hear so much, you know, a different take on her story. Yeah. Um, more specifically, meeting and marrying her husband and, and yeah. their relationship. But it just is, you guys, go back and listen. If you haven't already, this is just a great promo to go listen to all the episodes. <laughs> Honestly, it is. Ooh, it's, it's, I, I, I okay. I would love to hear your thoughts, Ashley. I've got so much feedback from that episode in this series. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. much feedback of just feeling Mm -hmm. like, no, God's not done with me yet. I'm still at work in my life. And it might take longer. might take longer than I ever thought. It might cost more. But he's still faithful. Yes. I can remember being in my 20s and my early, early 20s, and I used to just love Joyce Meyer. I mean, I feel like when I first became a Christian at 21, well, started made the choice to start walking with God again, for real. I accepted God when I was young, walked away, and then at 21, came back to him. And every morning, I would watch Joyce Meyer on the TV for like two hours just to get filled up with some type of hope. And it was her that really started teaching me about like the battlefield of the mind. And I remember listening to her talk about how her life and her ministry really didn't start until she was in her 40s. And how much that blessed me, you know, like even as a, as a 21 year old, I couldn't fathom that, you know, the journey ahead of me. I don't think that I thought it would take near as much time. I didn't think that I would get married in my early thirties. Like I still, even listening to an older woman speak about her journey, I didn't, I still didn't think it would take that much time for me, but then I'm, I've been so encouraged throughout my life. And if I felt the same with Tabitha, where it's like when you're young, you know, they moved out here when they were really to LA when they were very young thinking like, we're going to make it. And then it takes years to actually do the things that are in your heart to do. And I find that deeply encouraging. And I know that's not everyone's story. Some people, you know, build a beautiful business in their early 20s and they just do the dang thing, you know. Mm -hmm. But for most people, it's a lifelong journey. And I think that gets lost on our generation. Whereas the generations before actually had to wait and they had to work and they had to save money to buy homes and like, you know, do all these things that I feel like sometimes gets a little bit lost on our generation because we expect everything so much quicker than it's possible to come. 
Absolutely. And I like that you said most people, because that's the honest truth. Yeah. Y'all. It, it, yep. These overnight stories, these are so far and few in between, but even those aren't really overnight stories. There's that's so right. much toil that we didn't see. Right. So even if somebody's new to us, they could be 20, 30, 40, 50 years in the making. Right. I just, oh, I, I think that was just as you laid that out. Yeah. That's so encouraging. I think, <laughs> um, as you all know, Ashley talked about almost being 40 for since we started our podcast. Mm-hmm. And now she'll start talking about almost being 50, f- well, for the next 10 years. <laughs> but I, I, will, I will bear through that. Um, but now I'm, uh, I'm coming up on a mid. Not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not 30. I'm not 40. I'm right in the middle of there. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, where did I think I'd be right now? Mm-hmm. What, what did I thought would maybe be a little farther ahead or, mm-hmm. or what do I need to grieve or what do I need to dream for? Or what do I need yeah. to, I thought I outgrew, but really I didn't. Yeah, and I think that there's good. so much room to examine um, and, and so much room to just be tender to ourselves, be kind yes. and gentle to ourselves because yeah. there's so many unknowns in our lives and yeah. it just, it's so easy to blame yourself when things aren't on the track or timeline that you wanted, but we don't get to predict life. We have so little Correct. control over so little things. That's right. So little. Control is such an illusion anyway. And, Mm. you know, we can't take on, we really do have to resist the message of this world that tells us that we should be somewhere that we're not. Like part of, I think, being a Christian is living in that tension of I need to be where I am and allow God's presence to fill me today and allow myself to enjoy contentment with the life that I have, not the life that I want. And I think that that is the beautiful journey of discipleship, you know, and it's hard. It gets easier as I get older to do that. But I think, um, especially when I was younger, I've always felt like, am I behind? Am I missing something? Did I, should I have sped up this part of the process? And I think as I get older, I'm like, no, I'm just going to enjoy my life. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's what it means to be content in Christ. <laughs> Hold on. Say that again. Content with the life you have, not the life yeah. you want. Oh, there it is. That's the there truth. it is. And that's what we need on this summer day. That is we what do. we need. Especially yes. middle of 2021. This has been... Yes so hard and so jarring and I feel like I've been shook up in a water (coughs) bottle full of glitter from the craft table that my kids stuck all these things in and now I'm like walking out of it like wait what 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 year is it what day is it where am I who are these people (laughs) right that's real that is really real for all of us and it really is crazy it's okay to rebuild and it's okay to start again and it's okay to be where you are like we Mm. rushing everybody living with a sense of hurry is killing us it really is it really is there's so much beauty there's so much beauty in Mm -hmm. each and every moment and each and every day and like you said, without contentment, I think we can miss so much. And obviously, we're not saying don't be driven. Like, I'm a three. Yeah. Ashley's an eight. We're driven to mm-hmm. boot. <laughs> yeah. But when you couple that with contentment, that's that's a beautiful life. It that's is. a beautiful life. It really, it really is. is. Oh, is there any other um, guests that we've had that, that you gleaned something that maybe you didn't expect? Yeah. I mean, I think I really loved theologian Kat Armas. Like, mm. I really... I loved her story and I am so captured by ordinary people. And so it is so rare in the academic world, which I love and deeply respect. I have learned so much from people in that field who are believers and who love Jesus. Um, You know, people who have passed and people who are here now doing this kind of public theologian work. But I felt, you know, so... um, 
scene, honestly, because I like mm-hmm. that she loves ordinary people and she's thinking about faith through the lens of, you know, her grandmothers and extended women in her family and comparing that to the Bible. I just thought it was so rich and beautiful and a reminder to us all. You know, I think about the the story in Acts with um, with Peter and John, where it talks about them being unschooled and ordinary men, yeah. you know, and I think that this is this is the journey of faith and it's no dig on anybody doing another field or choosing another work, but it is the good reminder that whatever your work is, you are able to, to thrive in Christ and you're able to make a contribution to the larger body that is important and necessary. And that sometimes we can find good theology in the places we least expect. And I thought that that was a wonderful episode, especially for our listeners out there. Like you guys are doing your thing. You're building businesses, you're raising children, you are in in school you are empty nesters like you have you have all these beautiful things that you do with your life and so that reminder from cat that your theology where you are what you impart to people from the lord is so significant and i yes. like that so much uh, even as you share that, it makes me think of anti-caste. You know, in India, the caste system that orders people yes. of their value and their virtue and their resources yeah. and their education and their knowledge. And her entire approach to scripture is to flip that on its head and listen to those who aren't listened to. And it's just, I think we all need that reminder at all times because it's so easy to order ourselves. Yeah. It's so easy to, when you walk in a room, to place yourself in order of who's there. Yeah. And that's not the gospel. It's the complete antithesis of the gospel. So yeah. to be able to listen and learn and glean um, from everyone, especially those who never had a voice or platform before, whether they've already passed or whether they're up and coming, I think that's so valuable. Yeah. You know, I just have to add this. When I was in high school, my youth pastor always said, Whatever you are, be teachable. Yes. Whatever you are, just be yeah. teachable. Yeah. And I love that. He's like, you can learn anything from everybody. And his famous example was yeah. a really mean waiter at a restaurant who treats you like crap. Like, what can you learn from this situation? Right. What can you glean from this of the kind of person maybe you don't want to be or yeah. how to handle tough, you know, conversations with a stranger, you know, all of these things. And yeah. of course, it expanded into um, bigger ways of being teachable and how we learn and how we approach scripture. But it was just such a beautiful reminder that curiosity teachability i think it's the secret to life i really do like i think it it is just key it's absolutely i love that you said that too because i think that you know in my next book i write a little bit about the importance of curiosity as an attitude because i Mm. think that you know we really need that also to not be judgmental you know to be people of empathy and people of compassion you actually need to be inspired by curiosity because when somebody says something that is very triggering to you or it's a belief that you disagree with or um you know whatever you know whether it's political or religious or whatever it might be when you disagree with it if you have an attitude of curiosity and of course healthy differentiation you know you're able to say huh, I wonder why that bothers me so much. You know, I wonder what is happening in me that's re- that's causing me to react this way to that person's held belief. You know, wow. like, why am I this way? And I think that we're able to sort of pause and suspend judgment and be with people instead of feeling like our whole job in life is to, you know, correct them or fix them or save them. So I think curiosity, you know, it, it serves us on so many levels. Not only does it inspire wonder, but it also inspires connection because I don't need you to believe what I believe in order for us to be close or connected or to have a great conversation or to be present with you, you know? And I think too many believers are missing out on wonderful relationships because they think that agreement is something that it's not, you know? And I think that's Mm. important for us to really think about, you know, how do we have curiosity in this world? So I love that you said that. 
Mm, that's good. Um, can we camp on that for a minute? Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Because that's just too good. Um, so this past weekend, I uh, I finished a book, y'all, called The Life-Giving Home. And it's very specific on you know, how you want to build your home and what you want to pass on to your children. And um, I'm somebody who I didn't have a lot of structure growing up. I didn't have a framework and a value system that was um, implicit or that I could maybe put my finger on. And so I'm coming at this, you know, parenting and now almost having a, a, a middle schooler. Mm-hmm. I'm really coming at this with, you know, fresh, fresh eyes um, and not and not a framework that I can glean from, one that enriched me or blessed me or encouraged me to kind of move forward in my parenting and life and um, just, just family and how I exist in the world and how I'm serving the people and architecting um, a life and, and home that is thriving, not just for my kids, but for the people who visit, for friends, mm-hmm. all that. Anyway, so I've been kind of mulling this over this past weekend. And so I wrote down, like if, if in, in 20 years, somebody could describe what it was like to be at the Blooms or to be with me or to be with my husband, what would mm-hmm. they say? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I can determine that now, what they'll say. And I can begin to um, bake that in the bread, quite literally, of every conversation and, and every act. And curiosity was the top of my list, Ashley. Curiosity mm-hmm. that we were we were curious. And forgive the uh, Western preacher alliteration that I'm about to drop. You can mock me till eternity. I don't mind. But it helps me remember. <laughs> you can mock. It's funny. But I thought curiosity, connection. I, I changed it camaraderie because I just love that word. I love the mm-hmm. word camaraderie. It, evo- it evokes word. such emotion. Yeah. Um, compassion, uh, cultural intelligence, um, creativity, all of these things. So creating a place for myself to thrive in that, creating a place that my kids can thrive, creating a place that everyone who visits and is a part of our world can thrive in that. That's what we bring wherever we go. In addition to the good news, of course, we are walking, talking (laughs) good news, but it was just this idea of like, okay, who, who am I becoming in this season? But more than that, what am I architecting? What world am I propping up that's beautiful and whole and that invites people in to rest, to, to feel alive, to feel at peace? Right. Because right. it does, it, and, I, and when I think about your upcoming book, that's what I think about. Like, mm-hmm. what kind of world am I architecting? Because right. I get a choice here. I yes. am not a product of my circumstance. I get that's to, right. I was, I was, but then yep. I get to heal. I get right. to grow. Right. I get to flourish and yep. become. And instead of dragging that ish with me into who I'm becoming now and the people that I'm affecting now, I so long for it to be good fruit. Mm-hmm. And I know that doesn't happen on accident. And so mm-hmm. that's that's really, but even this whole summer, but really this past weekend, what I've been mulling over of like, you know, I'm not going to be the greatest cook for my kids. Glory, don't they know it. And I'm not going to be this, <laughs> that, and the other. But what right. can I do? What yeah, can totally. I do? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I love that so much. And I think that, you know, one of the beautiful things about that and some and an invitation to all of us is to really examine, you know, where we come from, how it affected us, how it how mm. it formed who we are. And then from that, what what do we want to take away and what do we want to leave behind? It's like what what is going to go forward with me into the future? And what is going to stay behind in the past? And how do I want to impact my children? And how do I want people to experience us? I really love that so much. And one of the things that we love to think about as a family is how can we be a respite 
like oh, when people beautiful. come into our home, like, do, does it feel like a respite? Like, do they feel free to be themselves? Do they feel free to rest their weary shoulders? Do they feel free to be where they are? If they happen to be angry, if they happen to be upset, if they happen to be tired, if they don't want to talk, if they do want to talk, like, do they feel free to do all that in our house? Because that is what I think a respite is, Come on, is that you don't have to put on any airs and you don't have to be something that you're not. And you can communicate honestly and freely about who you are and where you are. And I feel like that's what we want for our kids. It's what we want for the people who encounter us and in our family. And so that's a beautiful way to think about it. And um, I love that. I love that. It's, and summer's a good time to think through those things yeah. as well. Like it really yeah. is. Not that you have any extra margin in summer because I always lie to myself and think I will, but it's not true. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> right? But it is. But it does feel like it. Time. It really it does. does. Yeah. It does. And you do have a few more opportunities to steal away to, you know, whether it's a day trip or just a few more things that are outside of your element. And that always, I don't know about you, but that pushes me to think a little deeper and bigger when I'm just out of my element and out Mm -hmm. of my normal routine. (laughs) I want to dig down on this respite idea because I think it's life-changing because the opposite of that is a chaotic space. And for many of us, our greatest trauma came from chaotic homes, right? chaotic spaces, maybe at at school or a friend's house or with a coach at a gym, you know, whatever the case may be where Mm -hmm. we were, maybe church, unfortunately. Totally. And so how Or places where you have to pretend and perform, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is its own kind of chaos. 100%. And so this idea that we don't have to live in chaos, but, but lean into respite. Everything mm-hmm. that's been broken and fractured in chaos yep. can be healed in a place of respite. And now y'all that can be, that can be simple things of just choosing to take those. De- I mean, I'm talking practical. Let's talk some practical because right. this is good. This is something we could, we could give to the people. I, one of the mm-hmm. things I just want to, I just want to celebrate your husband for a second. I remember, gosh, man, I think it was January of this year walked in with a friend and we were having dinner. Um, you took on, you took, uh, myself and our good friend Harmony on a tour of your town. (laughs) And by the time we came back, he had, um, classical music playing. He had the lights down low. He had some candles lit. And I'm not saying that's like all of a sudden magic. I'm not saying that, but there is something to be said about creating space for respite. And there are little things that just can calm our nerves, very practically calm our brain down, our our prefrontal cortex. You know, there's really practical things we can do. And so I think it was just so beautiful when, you know, it might not feel holy lighting a candle, but I think you'd be surprised what yes. can happen. Uh, even I have to tell you this. So on Father's Day, I uh, sent my husband golfing for a couple hours. And uh, the kids and I made dinner and they offered to help, which is rare. And I'm not great. So everything was burned. <laughs> Legit everything I burned. Everything, you guys. And they all ate it, but whatever. I'm sure we got <laughs> black lung now. Anyway. Um, but when I said to them, oh, you guys at the table. I could not believe the first thing. Said, oh, can we have candles? Can we pull the lights down low? And I'm like, wow, just so sweet. How even Mm -hmm. as kids, that just felt so relaxing and peaceful, but also still just like delightful. Right. Little ways of respite. Yeah, that's beautiful. That is, you know, Cody is like a low-key monk. I've said that before. Mm -hmm. If you're new, Mm -hmm. you know, we have a lot of new listeners now. Um, And so if you're new, that's true about my husband. He loves the contemplative practices of the faith and, you know, dives into books all the time by people that you've probably never heard of who are like hardcore theologians on solitude and, you know, rest and all these things. But that is, he establishes such rich rhythms for himself and, you know, lighting candles and things like that is one of them. Like he, he, every night after he put the kids down, he puts the shutters down, he closes them 
I like them open. He likes them closed. I just yield on that one. He closes them. He lights all the candles. He, you know, kind of readjusts the room. If there's any Legos, he moves them. Like, and it's important for his process because then he can like switch gears. And I feel there's such a life lesson in that that I've learned from him and am still learning about transitions, like how graceful transitions can be that we wow. don't have to, yeah. you know, do hard stops and starts or, you know, want to escape our life or to live it, you know, but that you can actually be like, okay, let's transition time and let's just take five minutes to reset this room because it will be a whole different experience if we do that and it literally takes five minutes it's not wow, these are not hard yeah. things but I think they're they really are keys to sanity <laughs> you know? it's like yeah. they make you feel more sane they make you feel more connected to yourself and to God and to others and it cultivates in us and in me a more generous posture you know like I'm, mm. I'm ready to receive because everything is different I've switched over from you know dealing with three kids all day to okay and I'm going to be at peace I'm going to cook some dinner. I'm going to, you know, be with my husband. We're going to just change gears. And I like that. So, you know, I wish I had done that more in, in the earlier stages of our marriage or even when I was single. And I feel like so many mm. of my single friends now are very good at this. They they know how to create rhythms. And I learned so much from my single friends because I feel like they are very good at caring for themselves. And when I get out of the habit, I like to look at their life and go, no, it's okay. Like I need a time out to go get a mani-pedi or I need a time out to yeah. go for a walk or to love myself in a specific way. And so I just, I'm so grateful that God graces our lives with different types of people who are not in our season <laughs> because yeah. it's so encouraging. Like we have so much to learn from one another <laughs> mm, so much absolutely are there any other rhythms specific to the summer that you've picked up that are a little bit newer to you and your family I'm curious yeah I mean you know now that our kids are getting kind of older and we moved back to LA um, you know last year but because of the quarantine we haven't been able to really experience the city and so one of the things that we're doing this year is every Friday sometimes we have to move it to Saturday but every Friday we're going to somewhere in the city that we can explore so whether it's oh a museum gosh. or it's the beach or the science center like we have a, a list for the summer that we can do something each week together. And then um, we're trying our best to do family dinner. Most of the time it's just us, but every now and then we'll invite, you know, our marriage mentors over and their kids. Um, but we'll, you know, set the actual table, which we don't do very often because, you know, I have a seven month old and a, th a four year old who just turned four and a six year old. So, you know, we would rather eat alone with ourselves and after we fed them. But you know, right. there is one night a week that we make the choice to sit down together and eat, which is kind of a rhythm that we got out of. Um, and so that's one of our rhythms. I think reading, uh, listening to audiobooks is a new rhythm in my life that started during quarantine. But um, for the summer, reading tons of fiction, because that's just what I like in the summertime. I don't like anything too intense or heavy. I don't want to read, you know, um, a whole bunch of stuff. Like I just enjoy listening to novels. So that's been fun. Yeah. And then drinking a lot of water, <laughs> my mirror. I love it. It's like this workout mirror. That's so awesome. And I can do, you know, um, bar classes or yoga classes or, you know, strength training. And I've enjoyed doing that a couple of times a week as well. So yeah, those are some of my rhythms that, you know, just trying to, to pick up some new things that I can keep over the long haul. What about oh, you? and they, I love that, though, because they're all still going back to what we talked about, a posture yeah. of respite. Right. And, and again, y'all, this isn't just for yourself. This right. is so you can be an architect, a world where you're a blessing to others. Yes. And that's what I love. You've connected those dots, even just having people over for dinner. We mm -hmm. obviously quarantine. We really got out of the habit of having people over. <laughs> and oh, now yeah, right. I am having a little bit of trouble getting back into that gear. <laughs> yeah. I I'm having quite that. a bit of trouble. But um, uh, I would say... I don't know why, but maybe you're right. I think there's something about the summer. I read so much fiction. Y'all, true story. 
I did not read fiction, like, at all until mm-hmm. I met Ashley in the last <laughs> two years. Like, not even – I mean, I can't even name – maybe Chronicles Narnia, and that's it. Like, literally, that's it. <laughs> and I'm just talking about Line, Witch, and Wardrobe, not all nine books. Ooh, whatever, eight books, so nine much. books, whatever. Literally, right. that was it. Right. And now, I think also just my kids getting to the age where there's some classic fiction, like Bridge to yes. with you. I've got a list of, like, 20 books right. um, that I want them to read before they go to middle school. But anyway – I would say fiction has been such a blessing. Um, I don't know why. Like you said, I just I think it's the sun. Well, again, we have a solid four seasons here in the Northwest. Mm-hmm. So just the longer days makes me feel like I have more time. It makes right. me feel like there is a little bit more time to just relax. Um, especially because, I mean, it's still light for two hours after I put my kids to bed. Right. Same, um, man. The West Coast is next level with that. It, yeah. It is yeah. just so bright. And I mean, yeah, to the point, is. I laughed as I put my kids down to bed. They've got their blackout blinds and all that. Right. And then I walk past the hallway to go downstairs, and it's like, you would think all the lights are on. Right. Because <laughs> it's just so bright. It's, yeah. un- it's unreal. Um, but I would say, gosh, mine are very similar to yours. Fiction. Um, I... Even just, girl, we're all about the day date. My husband and I, we, um, I my kids, that. yeah, because we, we don't have childcare at night, but my totally. kids do like a summer camp childcare during the day in the mornings. And so once a week, we've tried to go to breakfast, and we're so cheap that we split one entree at like a nice restaurant because <laughs> it's only fifteen bucks. Um, I love it. Yeah, that's so like we, a, we, a parenting pro tip right there. <laughs> you go, y'all. Wait, wait till you get some childcare, and then go take yourself to breakfast yes. and drink coffee before you go, so you don't have to order a coffee. Right. I'm just being real honest with the people. Yeah. Um, but I, I, but again, I think it's given myself, and my husband, and our in our little fam time to be like, okay. What matters? Mm-hmm. You know what? The last rhythm, um, we play a lot outside with the kids. Mm-hmm. Mostly, my oldest has some pretty severe ADHD, so getting yeah. his body moving is very important. So we probably do an hour outside of basketball or tag, as in my husband and I are huffing our little mm-hmm. bodies, out of shape bodies, up and mm-hmm. down, trying to catch them kids. Yep. Um, and uh, it's not a joke. Baseball, basketball, um, yeah. soccer, all of that stuff. So being outside with them, I'm like, oh, wow. I'm giving these kids a childhood. This is the best I can do. <laughs> yeah, I love that so much. It marks the nights, though. We really it like does. it. Have dinner. You have half an hour to play Legos, and then we we head outside. So it's been, I think, just finding, like you said, the contentment, the life you have, not the life you want. Yeah. Because there's so much beauty, and we are just so prone to miss it if we don't have a posture to receive, just like you said, yeah. a posture to give, a posture to be a blessing. And so as we stop in the middle of this series, as we stop in the middle of this year, mm-hmm. I mean, we're almost half done. Mm -hmm. I think it's just so wise for us to sit and think, okay, what is the life I'm living? What are the virtues? What's the culture of my myself? What's the culture of my family, my world, my home? You can do this if you're single, if you're right. no kids, if you're divorced, if you yep. got kids, whatever. Yep. Because you take you wherever you go. Right. And there's there's these implicit understanding of beliefs that you are walking and living in. Mm-hmm. And you guys, we're going to be so spoiled. August, we are just, we're just best foot forward. We're going to just dive into Ashley's book. Oh my gosh, you, ooh, I, girl, I can't even deal. I can't even deal. No, I know so too much. Excited. I've seen too much. I've yeah. seen too much. <laughs> I'm so excited. Well, before we wrap up, Tiffany, I do want to hear, you know, how, how is it going with Pray Tell? Like, I'm sure everybody wants to know, like, how's the book going? How are you feeling about it being out in the world? And after you launch it is one thing, but then you still are, you know, talking about it and helping people get connected and showing people what it's like to walk away from abuse and all the things that are so beautiful about that resource. So tell us, how's it going? Mm, Oh man, I wish you could see my smile just as as you ask. (laughs) Um, 
the biggest, most beautiful um, response I've got, and one, I mean, there's so many good things to share, but as women, I got emails and, and direct messages on Instagram and on Facebook of women saying, you gave me language yeah. for my experience that I never had before. Yeah. And that, Ashley, I never Love expected that. to get that. I never, I, I wrote this book and I believed it was a resource, but the idea that it retroactively yeah. gave them vision yeah. to be like, wow, now I need to know what I, I know what I need to go get healing from, but I yeah. also know how to walk this out and ensure it doesn't happen in the places I work and worship. Right. I think that was, that was mind blowing. It's been exciting to see it travel into hands and on airplanes and beaches and yeah. laundry rooms and <laughs> bedside tables. And I mean, you know, that's the beauty of a book. It's going to mm-hmm. outlive and outlast you and circumnavigate the globe in a way that I will never do. And so it's been really, I've been, and I say this, honestly, I've been so proud. I've been so proud of this work. This was so different than my previous writing, completely, completely different. So I'm just, I'm so proud that this exists and that this can be a blessing and that this can be something that casts vision of how we can heal these spaces. Because I mean, since my book released, there's been what, oh my gosh, dare I say, at least 10 major leaders who've fallen over issues like this, right. um, over silencing women and abuse of power. And yeah. these things will continue until they're contested. And I, right. and and y'all know me well enough to know, listeners, unless you knew, because we've had a lot of you join since Tabitha. Well, <laughs> a lot of you, I'm a, I'm a pretty uh, diplomatic, easy, easygoing, uh, people-pleasing gal. And so mm-hmm. it's been a, it's been a lot for me to be like, no, I won't stand for this. And I think all yeah. of us on matters of justice, we can have that metal rod going through our spine of conviction and know yeah. that I will stand for goodness and wholeness all the days of my life. So yes. that's my gift. And I am, I'm excited to see where it goes, especially this fall as um, restrictions lift and we can do more in-person events. And yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. Oh, it's so awesome. You did such a killer job with your launch. So good. And we're so excited to see it out in the world and look forward to all that's to come. And guys, we're so thrilled to just spend a little bit of time today just talking together with you guys. And we do have a couple more guests who are coming in the month of July, and um, we can't wait for you to hear from them. One huge surprise guest that Tiffany and I could just fall on the floor about, so get ready for that. On the floor. On the floor. And then I cannot wait to begin talking to you guys about Love is the Resistance. So stay tuned for all the details. If you want to support that work or be on the launch team, all that stuff is coming up. So we would love, love, love to invite you to pre-order and get ready to um, charge a hill with us for Love is the Resistance, y'all. We just keep growing this year, and it's an awesome thing. Like the church and people and humans, there's just so much hope for us in spite of all that's going around in the world and all the things that are happening. There is so much hope available to us, and we really believe in that. So we hope you guys have an awesome week, and we'll see you next Thursday. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, listeners. Remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit tiffanybloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit ashabercrombie.org. See you next week.